wilder, wilder, wilder. First of all, we need to take a moment and thank our ever-growing audience of listeners. And we've had more than 70,000 listeners in the month of September alone. So thanks for coming back, everybody. So excited to be here and really appreciate the patronage. Yeah, exactly. But moving right along, a couple things. A lot of people wrote in and said they're so glad that the list of six is back. This is from Anna. I've listened to the new podcast. I can't believe you picked the contender in your list of six. That would have been me, by the way. Ah. It would have been my choice too, but it is not an obvious choice. So I was surprised. I'm not sure if that's like a compliment or I can't really. I think it's a compliment. Sounds like a compliment. I'll, I'll go with it. Okay. I would go with all the president's men too, but this is a more obvious choice. Interestingly enough, both those two films were written by the same person, I might point out. Yes. Okay. But the third movie I would have was Miss Sloan. Do you remember mm. that? Well, I do remember that. I didn't think it was a great movie. Oh, I thought it was a great movie. And it's so funny. It's a perfect lead in for this week's scenes from a marriage that we're going to be doing. But I actually loved it. And the minute she said it, I thought, interesting, because it is a political movie, you know? It- yeah, but it's not as memorable. It's not one that you Oh, I've watched it three times. I've watched it three times. All right. Well, you know, to each their own. Well, especially because I really admired her strength of doing whatever the hell she wanted and who cares. But anyway, good choice. Thanks, Anna, for writing in. We really appreciate it, especially with that great Jessica Chastain lead in. Indeed. I know. HBO, it dropped Scenes from a Marriage, what, two weeks ago, I think. Well, there are two episodes out, so that makes sense. Yeah, two weeks. Well, it makes sense then. Okay, but in 1973, Scenes from a Marriage came out to much fanfare. And it was a movie that was based on Ingmar Bergman's Scenes from a Marriage six-part series in, I think it was in Norway, wasn't it? Uh, Probably. Or maybe Sweden. Okay, I should know that, but I don't. Anyway, it was based on that. And I was talking to my significant other about the fact that we're doing this And he said to me, I remember when that came out in 1973. And I said, you do? He's a uh, a little bit older than I am. And he said, yeah. He said, I'd never seen anything like it. People who were so articulate at describing their feelings. (laughs) And I was like, what? Was it his first Bergman film? (laughs) I wonder. I didn't ask. But, and I said, it was so interesting because I took the conversation a step further. And I said, that must have been amazing for you then. Did it make you want to talk about your feelings? And he said, no, why would I ever want to do that? (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm just saying, I think the male experience of something like this versus the female is worth going into, and I'm sure we will, but let's get back to the actual description of the film. But so I was trying to figure out how do we introduce this film? (laughs) And I had to laugh because there's so many adjectives. So I just want to go with something that was... uh, that was actually written in the uh, IMDb description. How much violence, infidelity, and resentment can exist between two people before the bond that connects them is finally broken? And why can we, as human beings, hold such contempt for the people we love? I thought that was such a great description. Hmm. Of it. What do you That's think? interesting. The, I found a different one that said a re-examination of love, hatred, desire, monogamy, marriage, and divorce through the lens of a contemporary American couple. Well, it's funny because the five episodes of the original back in, in 1970 or whenever, they were titled Denial, Angry, Bargaining, Depression, and Acceptance. The five Which are the epi- five stages of grief. Yeah, those were the, but also it's the five stages of grief. 
Yeah. For a death or something. So I thought, and then when I went back to that explanation of, you know, how much pain can a person take? It really is about the death of something that's born out of love. You know, when we fall in love, I mean, I, I've had a number of loves that have died. I don't mean physically, but emotionally, our, our love didn't continue. And it is a very excruciating experience. And he certainly was able to show the enormity of it. But can we talk about the opening scene? You know, I talk a lot about... Two opening scenes <laughs> yeah. from each episode. Well, yeah. Yeah. I talk a lot about degree of difficulty, okay? And I've always admired Chastain's work, always admired it. I think she's an excellent actor, and I think she does it, and it looks effortless, and it feels effortless, but it clearly isn't. I think this is her finest moment. That opening scene where she's being interviewed with her husband, and they clearly— Oh, we're talking about two different opening scenes. Well, you're talking. are you talking about walking through the set? I'm talking about the introduction, yeah, yeah, of of both episodes open. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You should probably finish what you were All saying. Right, let me, yeah, let me just finish where <laughs> I was going. Then we can go, because you're right. I mean, if we're going to really opening scene. Okay, the opening scene that she has with her husband is they're being interviewed by somebody working on their thesis. And the pain in her sitting through that excruciating interview and the stories she told with every glance of him and of touching him and, you know, looking around and asking a sort of irritated question of the interviewer, all of those elements are so brilliantly laid out and so difficult to do. Did you not agree? No, I do agree. I was interested because I wasn't I wasn't sure exactly when we were entering this marriage, right? This is scenes from a marriage. So I wasn't sure where Interesting, yeah. in the right. marriage yep. they were going to be putting us. But I do want to back up because I find it fascinating how we're introduced to every episode. And well, so far, I don't know what's going to happen in three, four, five, and six, but uh, or five. But both episodes open. The first is with Jessica. The second is with Oscar. Entering the set, you see that it's a set. You see that they are interacting with the director and PAs and they've got their headphones in and they are actors. Right. And you see them kind of take that moment to transition into the role that they're playing. And it's a fascinating commentary on marriage as a whole. Right. It, are we playing a role in our marriages? It, are we acting? Right. Is she putting on a face for the entirety of this episode? You don't come out of it once you're introduced into the plot and the scene and you're in she she is playing the character. You never come back out, right? The whole episode unfolds as if it's reality. But the next episode opens with Oscar Isaac walking yeah, exactly. in onto the set. Really beautifully done. And also the next episode, I think, calls for his degree of difficulty to go up. But here's a couple things on that. I thought it's brilliant. I thought the entry was brilliant. I thought when they yell action and all of a sudden both of them become these animated people that are present when they're clearly got a lot going on behind the scenes of their brains. Mm -hmm. I, th I think it was brilliantly done, I, I, but I'm not sure why they needed to do it because the opening scenes of both the two episodes you're referring to are so strong. Why do they need to be chopped up? You know what I mean? By putting that well, that's, first. I don't that's know that what does. I think is so interesting about it is because it, it, it is nothing but a commentary, right? There's no reason to do that other than to say, these are actors, right? This is a show that you're watching. They are playing parts within this marriage, 
But then we're not going to cut out and let you see that like we yelled cut and they got to go back to their trailers or whatever, right? We're in it with them and we are painfully in it with them, right? There are scenes that are prolonged in this that are just punishing, right? And you have to live through the discomfort. Well, there's more than you ever needed to know. Absolutely. Which, by the way, proved that you needed to know it. You know, right? I mean, it was like more that this is TMI. You know that TMI moment we all have sometimes, like too much information. But every piece of additional information that they make you take in is worth every Mm -hmm. bit of uh, of space that it takes up. And it's interesting because that first interview lays out the dynamic in their relationship. Right? It introduces us to their marriage, but it also introduces us not only to the roles that they've played and and how they interact in their marriage and and the the premise of the interview is around marriages that have the female as the primary earner right so Jessica Chastain's character Mira is the primary earner in their relationship and how that's a you know a different gender dynamic than America is used to and Oscar Isaac does all the talking which is such a flip. The original, he did all the talking too. Well, but it's also, it, to me, it's such a flip from a traditional relationship. I mean, traditional in quotes, right? Who who says what that is anymore? But the idea that usually when you're talking about a relationship, you would imagine that the woman is doing more of the speaking. Well, a couple things on that. I couldn't, I wasn't sure why they made the switch. In other words, in the original in the 70s, uh, he has an affair, and and the, I'm not giving anything away. You can't you can't be watching this and not know that. And in this in this one, she is the big breadwinner, and she has the affair. And actually, right from the get go, we are of much more empathy for him and his role, and we like him better than her. And I actually I didn't in some. I don't ways. know if I agree with that. Well, it's funny because I did a little homework and I read a bunch of stuff that was coming out and a survey that was done and especially women did not like her. And hmm. You know, I think in the second episode, you're not supposed to like her. I think there's the reveal of of the affair. That's so it, it does jump around in time just so everyone's aware. You know, we there's something that happens in the first episode that's pretty climactic and you jump eight months into the future for the second episode. Yeah, no, it's true. And the affair is certainly a result of what happened in the first episode. And I had a lot of sympathy for her. I did too, but I'm just saying it, the numbers of the people who are watching it, what's coming in is that women are like, they're not liking her. She's not likable. And you know, you're not supposed to do that in a marriage. You're not supposed to be unhappy when everything is fine or what have you. But at any rate, moving that aside a little bit, it's written and it was brought back by Levy. And I just wonder, it's so hard. As I told you, I think it's really hard to be able to write both genders successfully as a writer. Mm-hmm. I think one writer writes better than, you know, for their own gender in general. Nancy Myers is a good example of that. I think she writes the female characters just a bit better than the male ones. Mm-hmm. She usually puts entertaining casting around it, whether it's Jack Nicholson or someone like that. But at the same time, I think her dialogue, et cetera, I think is much more, she's much more comfortable with women. And Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that Levy is the one who decided, okay, I'm going to make her the protagonist in this way. 
when it didn't need to be that way. It's not that the times have changed so much that this would be the norm anyway. The norm is still the other way around. More more women stay home with their kids than men. And so I didn't know why he did it. And I looked around. I couldn't find anybody who asked him that question. But if you listen to us, if you listen to our podcast, I hope you'll send us an answer as to why you decided to do that. I loved that he did that, though, because I I identify with that personally, right? I am the larger earner in my relationship. And we don't have kids, so there's that piece of it. But he, he still works, right? Oscar Isaac's character is a professor. He does still work. He's just able to be home more because his hours are flexible. And they they state that pretty clearly in that first interview to make sure that you know that like he's still active and he's not just a stay-at-home father, which, you know, whatever commentary on that you want to put. But I really liked that he flipped that script and I liked that he flipped the script on who's having the affair. Because we have a, in the first episode, you meet a couple that's a friend of theirs and they have a polyamorous relationship. And you see Jessica Chastain's judgment on her friend and what she's going through. And like, you see her also try to contain it and just be a friend to her and support her. And then in the next episode, that hypocrisy is exposed, right? And I think that's fascinating. And I I think she's on such an interesting journey. I've got to disagree with you there. I think what she says to her friend is the critical component of what she's looking down upon. And basically what she says to her friend is, Peter has created this because he wants to screw other women. And so he's created this as polyamorous when really, in fact, he doesn't want polyamorous at all. He just wants to be able to fool around and you shouldn't. And you shouldn't care for somebody. I think she doesn't like him. I think she likes her friend a lot, but she doesn't like what he's done to her friend. Oh, sure. I don't think she dislikes her friend. I think she's just judging the choice that she's made and gone along with. But I also think that her friend has gone through, she's experienced polyamory in a way that it seems Peter hasn't, right? She's found another love and Peter doesn't fall in love with his conquests, right? Because they're conquests. Right, exactly. And, And she the woman in the relationship finds solace in someone else. And and we don't want to give too much away on that score, but I will say... It's quite foreshadowing, though. Yeah, but I don't think Jessica is judgmental of her friend at all. I think she's judgmental of her friend's husband, who she feels has lured her into this to make his own choices acceptable. But sure, I don't I don't know that I meant that she was judging necessarily her friend so much as the situation, but yes. Yeah. Well, now, what do you think of the connection between Oscar and Jessica? I mean, they're both incredible actors. Um, I, I will say this is a very difficult show to watch. If you're going through some difficulties in your relationship at the moment, maybe don't watch this right now. I agree. Uh, they're both exceptional and their ability to have this kind of unspoken connection. You see it over the dinner table of like their eyes connecting and like the discomfort. And you also see in the interview that he can see how uncomfortable she is in the interview and that like, but he also loves it. So he's torn because he, this is, you know, academia. So he, this is his field and he loves to talk about his theories. Right. And she's like literally squirming in her seat, desperately trying to get out of this. And he so desperately wants to be in it. And I could see that he was pulled in two different directions of trying to fulfill her needs 
because I think that's the character he's playing as someone who fulfills her needs for the most part. I think the two of them on stage together is magic. I do. Yeah. I think on screen that it just works. But interestingly enough, they attended Juilliard together 20 years ago, graduated Oh, that's together. great. Yeah. And they've been very, very close friends ever since. And interestingly enough, guess who was supposed to play the role? Which role? Jessica's role. I have no idea. She's amazing. So I couldn't see anyone else in it. Michelle Williams, who would have been equally good. Absolutely. Yeah, I love Michelle Williams, but I think Jessica Chastain has a warmth in her that is understated. I'm not saying Michelle would have been better, but I'm just saying I'm sure she would have brought something really unique to the role. But here's the funny thing. So she drops out at the last minute, Michelle, and Oscar Isaac says not to worry. Jessica will do this. And he calls her and she comes in to do the role. And you may remember they were together. They were a married couple in a most violent year. Do you remember that? Mm, Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. That was a long time ago. So they've had experience together. And then there's been this whole hoopla because at the um, the Venice Film Festival, they're on the red carpet and he kisses her arm in a way that's extremely sexual. And everybody's talking about how sparks were flying on the red carpet in reality, etc. They have something between them. Maybe it's based on the 20 years friendship. Who knows? They have a closeness that's wonderful. And I think it really helped in these roles to have that intimacy because all through the whole thing, you see they're connected. Like even in the breakup scenes, there's a kindness and an anger. You'll see every emotion if you watch it. But at the same time, there's also an underlying understanding of each other. And, you know, it's not to be missed. I think this is a really important series. And I think this is Jessica's finest work. And I sure hope she gets a lot of kudos. And his too. But she so shines that it's hard for him to be on the screen. Because when she's on the screen, you can't see anything but her. Oh, that's fascinating. I can't take my eyes off of him. Uh, There's a scene... He's just packing a suitcase. I'm not going to say what's happening, but I was also so, so frustrated with him because you're, you're sitting there watching him bottle everything up and not say what he wants to say. And, and, and you hear it a little bit later once she's left, right. When she's left the room. And, but I'm watching this going, this is the role he's filled for the past how long have they been married? 12 years or something. He supports her at every turn. And that's how their marriage is. And I just wanted to shake him and be like, fight back, (laughs) right? Like say what you want to say, get it out there. But he's so stunning. It's just impossible to watch, to look away from him because you're just, you're, you're watching the layers on his face of just focus on what's in front of me and get through this right now. And we'll deal with the rest of it later. Yeah, no, and I'm there. I'm there. There's, there's so many people who can identify with that, but there's also that element where you're like, grow a spine and stand up for yourself. And it doesn't happen until she's not there. And I'm, I'm so fascinated to see where it goes though. I'm also reluctant to watch it because it just feels very punishing watching it, but it's so beautiful and they're so incredible and it's hard to look away. It's like a beautiful car crash um, <laughs> in slow it motion. Is. 
And I, I highly recommend it. I hope everybody takes the time to watch it. And I think if your relationship is in trouble, it is something good to watch. I think it brings up so many ways to talk and to not wait too long and to, you know, just all kinds of things. I think it's spectacular. I think she's spectacular and I've never seen her. Keep in mind, we we see Jessica, you know, look at her in the help. You didn't even recognize her. She was mm-hmm. unrecognizable. She, you know, Miss Sloan, you know, there you go again. You know, it's like she can do anything. She's without makeup at the beginning. I think that's intentional also because later mm-hmm. on she wears it. I highly recommend it. And um, I assume you are too, right? Great choice on your part. Finally, you. one that I love. Oh, hush. You like some of them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But also, I think we should end with with a quote from Mr. Bergman, okay? An incessant anxiety calls out to me. What have you done that will endure? He wrote at the time, plaguing himself with an existential artistry worry. Is there a single meter in any of your films that will mean something for the future? One single line, one single situation that is completely and absolutely real. And the answer to you, all these years later, these 55 years later is, oh yeah, there were a lot of them. Well done. Well done. Um, Okay. Now we're going to, we decided our list of six this week would be six films about marriage. So you go first, my friend, what do you got? First of all, let me just say that this is a really hard list to make because there are so many movies that you think are about marriage that aren't actually about marriage. I know I had the same thing. (laughs) Right. So my first which kind of spans the breadth of is it about marriage or is it about divorce is the marriage story. Oh my God. I had that also. Oh, hey. Yep. And I almost didn't want to, it just seemed too obvious. Do you know what I mean? I just, they're both so sensational in that movie. And I don't usually love Scarlett. I think we've talked about this and she's unbelievable in that movie. And you've got, this incredibly understated performance from her that like normally she's understated, but in this, you could feel those layers. And then I just have the biggest crush on Adam driver of all time. So uh, by the way, like, and I, my crush for him only grows as time. Yeah. Goes. Every, and it, then he starts to sing and I'm just like, Oh, okay, fine. You will get married whenever I meet you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I picked, it's funny because I had the same issue you did. And in fact, I almost put up Father of the Bride because of the marriage relationship in that. And then I was like, you really can't do that. It's really, it's not about that at all. But anyway, I know what you're, I feel your pain. The struggle. The struggle is real. I know. I know. And it's funny that every time I came up with these films, it was like, that's not really about marriage. But anyway, I'm going to go with Kramer versus Kramer. And I'm only also on my list. Oh my God, you're kidding. (laughs) But I promise you the last one we don't share. Okay, but it's funny because Kramer versus Kramer, it's also about a father learning. It's about divorce. Yeah, but it's also about a marriage. It's about the ties that bind. And the reason I thought it was okay to bring it in is because it's not dissimilar from this. Yeah, agreed. When you have 12 years sleeping together every single night, there's something there, you know? Yeah, and you get to feel the history between them. You get to feel what they've gone through to get where they are today, where, you know, there are a lot of other movies that are, there are so many movies that are about getting married, yep. but not about marriage. I agree. I right. Agree. And there's, there are quite a few movies that are about divorce 
that are about the disillusion of a marriage, but you don't get to experience much of the marriage. And I feel like Kramer versus Kramer is kind of the exception to that rule. I agree. I agree. We, I can't believe, wait, two out of, isn't that amazing? I well, yeah. I will say I also, in going through like the list of marriage movies, I realized there are quite a few I haven't seen. And I need to educate myself in this field, but I'm pretty sure my last pick is not going to be on your list. Okay. You go first. What is it? True Lies. No, I didn't have it, but I read about Freaking it. Freaking love that movie. Okay. It's all about a marriage. It's okay. all about, you know, they're stuck in a rut and she doesn't know that he's a spy and he has to lie to her. And it's one of the greatest action films ever. And, you know, you get Jamie Lee Curtis hanging That's from the helicopter. Action film, action film, action hey. film. Hey. This movie, when, first of all, the iconic scene where he's in the chair and she's come up to the room to, like, plant the bug. And she has to, like, rip up her dress because it's terrible. (laughs) And she does her, like, pole dance for him. By the way, has Jamie Lee Curtis ever been so freaking sexy? And then... By the the way, no, and I don't think she was in that moment either, but go ahead. Oh, you are... You are alone in that opinion, my friend. I don't think so. She is amazing. But when the room gets bombarded and they get kidnapped and she's like, Harry, let me handle this. It's just one of the funniest moments in action comedy I've ever seen. And they are both stellar. And I love that movie. I think if you haven't seen it in a long time, go back and watch it. You will enjoy every moment. Maybe I will go rewatch it, but you're right. I would never have picked that. Not in a million years, not ever. And it's it's a great story about a marriage though. They are, they are quite on the cusp when the movie starts uh, and they have, they have come the full gambit by the end. Yeah. And I went with my last one with heartburn, Nora Ephron's film with uh, about her marriage with Carl Bernstein now, first of all, anything Nora Ephron wrote, I was all in because sure. she can take any pain under any circumstances and she can bring the kind of humor to it that me and my sick family bring. You know, we make the <laughs> sickest jokes at the worst times and some people understood us, me like, too. what the hell is wrong with you? But that's how we deal with it. And I loved it. <laughs> and the other reason I loved it is because it was her jabbing at Carl Bernstein, who I've never been a fan of. So anyway, what? I picked. No, All right. Yeah. He's I done some hard, good yeah. things for the world, though. But here's the funny thing about the movies we chose. It's never a happy ending. That's not true. True Lies has a great happy okay, ending. Well, I, okay, I'm sort of making that the Weir's Waldo of the six that were. <laughs> well, I will say it's, it's interesting because I, I feel like both Kramer versus Kramer and A Marriage Story, while it's not happily ever after ending, I don't think they're unhappy endings, right? They, both of those couples have to go through what they're going through and they have to come out the other side of it. And I think especially in a marriage story, you see that they're both ultimately better off apart, right? And their child is also better off with them apart. And I think that's a really important lesson for a lot of Americans to understand and a lot of people to understand because there are a lot of people who stay in marriages for the kids, right? Or for all the wrong reasons. And kids pick up on all of that and they pick up on unhappiness around them. And I think understanding, right, there's, and this happens a lot in, you you have a long conversation about this in scenes from marriage in in the second episode of what's better for your child, right? Is it to have two parents in the same house who are miserable with each other? I mean, all of that's true. And I actually got divorced when my daughter was six. So I, and I certainly 
wrote off my decision to leave the marriage for that reason. But at the same time, we were choosing films about marriages. And it's just interesting that most of the films that I looked at, and I even did some Google searches like best marriage films ever, yeah, stuff like course. that. We both did. None of them <laughs> had happy endings. I'm just saying it was not, you know, it's just not in the genre of well, I would advise you to go back to 1928 and go watch Sunrise. Okay. Well, all right. If you <laughs> Which go is back the to first... 1928, you are proving my point. Yes. No, I'm I this is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but anyway, I, if you're married, I hope you're happy out there and um and if you're Well, not, I think there's also this, I, yeah. I just want to touch on this real quick cuz I think it's important to talk about the aspect of the rom-com in all of this, right? The rom-com is usually about the start of a marriage. And that's it's so many of these movies that came up on these lists were like The Notebook. And I was like, that's not a movie about a marriage. It's a movie about getting married. Right. And so many of these movies were about getting married. They weren't about actually being in a marriage. And I think it's very difficult to conceptualize that within an hour and a half yeah, to two hours. Right. How do you tell that story? I was surprised. I didn't see a lot of rom-coms come up. But what I did see come up were movies from the 50s, 40s, and 30s, and 60s. Sure. 50s or whatever. So if there were not a lot of movies in the last 20 years that have had the topic marriage around them. No. So, um, but anyway, I think we picked great ones, and I think I just can't recommend it more highly. I hope everybody takes time to watch it. And I think you can sign up for HBO for a 30-day free trial. So do it just before the fifth episode comes out, and then you can watch all five episodes, everybody. Yeah, I don't know if you yeah. can binge this one, though. I would advise I know. not binging yeah. this. Or unless, <laughs> yeah, and if you do, don't start drinking till the fourth episode. Yeah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> all right, I'll talk to you next week, my friend. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. 